No? Right, I think that's being friendly enough. I mean, it's church after all. You can't be too friendly, can you? Uh, good to be friendly. Keep telling myself that. Rachel tells me often. Uh, I'm Bill. Whether you know me or not, I'm Bill. Uh, I'm from Southampton originally. Uh, I've kind of done this circuitous tour of the British Isles to get here. We've been in Worcester for close on 34 years now. Um, I always think it's quite interesting that the house I now live in, uh, bearing in mind that I'm from Southampton, from the garden I can see the tower of the church where my great, one of my great-grandmothers married my great-grandfather back in 1880-something or other. So I've got, I get quite excited about that, and I tell people that I talk to, you know, I can see the church. My, my, one of my great-grandmothers was from Worcester, and they look at me and think, all of my great-grandparents are from Worcester, you know. But uh, it's just part of the journey that I've been on. Um, from Southampton, very pleased that yesterday, due to the win over Sheffield Wednesday, we are now 20 matches unbeaten which you might, might, might not find that exciting, but actually, I'm also part of the Church of Jesus Christ. We're 20 centuries unbeaten, which is, uh, I think, slightly more encouraging. <laughs> but uh, Richard um, said to me, he said, could you preach? And he gave me the date. And he said, you can, you can do kind of, you can either do something equipping, or if you want to give us a bit of a word for the year, you can do that. He said, I'm doing kind of a little bit more of a word for the year. And Richard did a great talk last week on keeping in step with the Spirit, which was great. And uh, I kind of felt myself drawn to um, Ephesians. And I've titled this, Four Things God Wants Us to Know. Because it's 2024, and these are four things God wants us to know. Because it's been an interesting few years, hasn't it, really, when you think about it? It's, yeah... Who could ever have seen all of that coming? There's all the turmoil that we've experienced with Brexit and the division in our society. There's the whole thing with COVID and lockdown. Uh, There's scandals in public life. We went through the death of the longest reigning monarch. My sister was born in the previous reign, I wasn't all I ever knew, the Queen. Um, I can remember in infant school going down to see her come and open something in, 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 in Southampton. I had to make this shaker thing. Really wasn't very good. But I can, I can remember seeing the Queen then, and I can remember seeing her on her Jubilee tour, standing in the upstairs of Costa and seeing her do walkabout in Worcester City Centre. But there was the transition. And, you know, I think a lot of us were wondering, you know, kind of what's, how's that going to work out? Because the Queen, right up to the end of her life, and I'm kind of thinking now I'm, I'm not as young as I was, and sometimes we can look back and you think, kind of where's my life gone? But, you know, if you think of each day of the, the week as kind of like a decade of your life, some of us are on Saturday moving into Sunday. The Queen was... The good news is, by the way, some of you, you get Bank Holiday Monday and Bank Holiday Tuesday. It's okay. The Queen was even on Bank Holiday Wednesday still serving and still doing stuff for Jesus, testifying 
of the goodness of God, her saviour. And that's just remarkable. So, you know, don't think, you know, you're kind of past it. And we've had the war in Ukraine, which still grinds on. The cost of living crisis. Conflict in the Middle East. And this year we're probably, well, we are going to have a general election and I reckon it's probably going to be the most divisive general election we've had in a generation. So it all seems a bit daunting somehow, doesn't it? But yet, we have something and we have a call. And we have a commission. And I felt I wanted to speak into that a little bit this morning. So I'm going to read. Uh, read some of the verses last week. Uh, courtesy of the, uh, the fact that John couldn't quite kind of work out the size of the print and the glasses. Don't worry, that's, that, that's, that's fine. I've got, I've got two versions here. One is um, electronic, the other is a different version altogether. And thankfully the electronic one is slightly larger print. So uh, I'm going to read, and actually I'm going to read more than the, I'm going to zero in on a few verses, but I just want to read the whole, a little bit more than the chapter of Ephesians, because actually Paul encourages Timothy, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, and the public reading of scripture is a good thing, Uh, scripture's a good thing. So I'm going to read from Ephesians, and it says this, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, 
ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, if I stop there, we'll be a bit glum. We were by nature objects of wrath, but it said, but, and I love the buts in scripture, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The kindness of Christ Jesus is a wonderful thing. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Glad you like that. It's good. Scripture. So... I'm going to fly through four points this morning because I, from this passage I want to pull out four things that I believe God wants us to do which will be a good foundation for us in our year ahead. One, know him better. Two, know the hope that he's called us to. Three, know the riches of, our, of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. If I revert into saying his riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, it's just because I'm slightly more familiar with the older version of the NIV. So if I revert into talking about saints, saints is not the kind of mystical icons of the Roman Catholic Church. Saints is just literally the people of God. So if you're this morning and you're embraced within the love of God and the family of God, you're a saint. Uh, so the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and is his incomparably great power for us who believe. Uh, 
I'm going to show a quick video at the end, uh, four minutes and 23 seconds worth, and then I'm going to make a brief invitation at the end of that. So into the first point, and this is a prayer which Paul is praying, but I don't want you to just think of it as a prayer of Paul. I don't want you to think of it just as a prophetic prayer, though it is prophetic. It's a prayer of Paul. It is a prayer that's prophetic. I don't want you to think of it just as an apostolic prayer. Paul was called to be an apostle, um, and it's an apostolic prayer. But it's a prayer of scripture, and we believe that all scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired by God. It's there for a reason, and it reflects the heart of God. And so what this prayer is doing is it isn't just that kind of Paul's thinking, well, I've got a few minutes to kill. What can I pray about? He's stirred up. He's in prison. He's got time on his hands. And he's writing to the people of Ephesus to encourage them. And he's praying for them. And he's feeling a sense of the spirit carrying him along. And he's praying the heart of God for the people of Ephesus. But it's not just the Ephesians. He's also praying the heart of God over his people. I pray that the glorious God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in order that you might know him better. I'm not in any way, shape or form, because we've all been sat here when people have had a bit of a go of us go at us about the state of our relationship with God you know you need to get up earlier you need to get up two hours before you went to bed to read your bible you need to read your bible more king james version only and you need to pray harder you know you know and yeah there are there are stuff on the internet you know you need to if you don't pray more than two hours a day feeble and we'll come under a bit of condemnation and a bit now i'm not saying there's anything wrong with praying more or reading the scripture or whatever but it talks in scripture about when jesus returns we will know him fully even as we are fully known god knows everything there is to know about us and he loves us and it's true that in this age And in this life, we will only know in part. And we will only see as though through a glass darkly. But we could know a little bit more. And I believe that there is an invitation from the Lord to know him a little bit more. The Apostle John, it says, was the disciple that Jesus loved. And it said he was the one who reclined against the Lord at table. So in a sense... The invitation is, lean in. Lean in. Now, I'm not going to go through, uh, dot the I's and cross the T's on, like, you need to do this, you need to do that, because that becomes like laws and rules. We're free from all that. It's relationship. And so the invitation is, lean in to Jesus. But then the Apostle John, when he was exiled in his old age on Patmos he says I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I had a voice and it was a voice that he recognized but it was slightly different and he turned around and there was this glorious being and it's Jesus 
But it says his eyes are like blazing fire, feet like burnished bronze. It's like, it's like Jesus in a human body, but glorified, powerful. And Jesus says to him, come up here. And as much as John probably knew more about the heart of Jesus and was closer to Jesus than any of his earthly friends, Jesus was still able to say to him, come up here. And so in a sense with our relationship with God, it's just, it's lean in, but come up here. There's a bit more. I want to show you some stuff. And it says his eyes are like a blazing fire. And it's an intimate thing to look into somebody's eyes. And it's quite uncomfortable and intimate thing, unless you know them very well, to hold their gaze. And I think sometimes Jesus feels that we want to look at him, but we, we don't quite hold his, blade, hold his gaze. But the fact is, because his eyes are a blazing fire, if you hold his gaze, that will burn up some of the dross in your life. We've all got a bit of, a dro- bit of dross here and there. And he can burn some of that stuff out so it can be a bit more effective and a bit more like him. So I think there is a, an invitation there. It is interesting as well that I mean, it's, so one of my granddaughters uh, rather likes to ruffle my hair. And for those of you who are thinking like, oh, yeah, that's a good joke. I'm going to go up and ruffle his hair. No. <laughs> so, um, because, yeah, no, 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 no. So she, first thing she does, climbs up, ruffles my hair. In fact, Rachel went down to um, look after the kids uh, when Jenna and Rob weren't around. And I wasn't there because I had to do something else. And Kessie looked at her and Grandma, why didn't you bring Bill? <laughs> and you can imagine that kind of when the kids came to Jesus, they'd climb on his lap, they'd ruffle his hair a bit. And the disciple went, whoa, no, 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 no. This is their religious thing kicking in. No, 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 no. And Jesus goes, no, don't forbid them. The kingdom of heaven is for people like this. So, climb on Jesus' lap and ruffle his hair. I mean, I know we can't do that physically, but whatever it is for you that helps you deepen your relationship with Jesus and get get to know him better, that might be playing a bit of worship music in the car. might be going for a walk amid some trees and getting into nature and admiring creation and blessing God because of that. It might be looking at a starry, starry night. Uh, it might be that, you know, you speak in tongues for a bit. It might be that you read some script. Whatever it is that works for you, the invitation is that Jesus wants you to know him a bit better this year. Now, there's a word in the Psalms that says, Selah. Jury's out as to what it actually means. People quibble about it. Um, a lot of people think it means pause, reflect, think. So I'm just going to ask you to take a couple of moments. Just think a little bit and just ask Jesus and just say, look, what works for me? What works for you? How do I spend some time to get to know you a little bit better this year? Just take a moment.
And my apologies if I've cut into a conversation between you and the Holy Spirit that was going rather well, but you can always carry that on. It's just a kind of like starting point. So Paul then goes on to pray, said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now, Dr. Gardner at the back will in fact tell me that the heart does not have eyes. You know very well, the heart does not have eyes. Rachel and I watch a lot of crime programs and there's often the autopsy scene where they kind of, yeah, there's lots of comments about stomach contents, there's lots of comments about cause of death. Never ever has the, coroner, has the um, pathologist lifted the heart and say, my word, it's got eyes. But what that's talking about, it's not talking about the, the pump that pumps the blood around the body. It's basically saying the core of your being and the, the inside of you seeing the realities of what really is. So Elisha was besieged once in 2 Kings 6 verse 17 and his servant looks and sees that they're besieged round by a hostile army and he says master master what will we do and and Elisha says to his servant those that are with us are more than those that are with them and he says Lord open his eyes that he can see and suddenly he can see on the mountain hordes of chariots and angels and the heavenly host outnumbering the Syrians and sometimes our vocabulary doesn't serve us well Jesus says I am with you always he says you know you you have the Holy Spirit with you and we look oh Lord we want to come into your presence thought he was here but sometimes we're not tuned in to the fact that he's here when Jesus was resurrected before he ascended there were times when he appeared to not be there but it was obvious from his conversations with the disciples when they could see him that he was so for example he was sharing with his disciples Thomas wasn't there Thomas turns up The disciples tell Thomas, next time they see him, we've seen the Lord. He goes, no, 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 unless I put my finger in his hands and his side, not going to believe it. Next time, Jesus turns up and says, right, Thomas, here we go. And what he's doing is he's training them that although they can't see him, he's there. Because his word says, he's there. And yet sometimes we think, oh, I I can't feel him. No, 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 no. Whether you feel him or not, he's there. He promised he'd be with us. And sometimes we've just got to realise and ask for God to open our eyes. Because there's stuff around us that sometimes we're not aware of. So, first thing we need our eyes enlightened about, or the eyes of our heart enlightened, is the hope that he's called you to. Peter says this, he says that he's given us new birth into a new and living hope. We've been born again into a new hope. We have the hope of being changed from one degree of glory into another. We have the hope of his return. Don't know when that will be, but we believe that Jesus will come back. And we believe that when he comes back, we will be raised from the dead. That our mortal bodies, and some of ours are getting a little bit more creaky than the others that they'll be resurrected so that they will be like his glorious body. 
because what he's demonstrated is that he came and he took flesh and it's now resurrected flesh. So we know that as we've once borne the image of the earthly man, our forefather Adam, so we will bear the image of the heavenly man. (coughs) How good is that? Next one is the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. (coughs) Excuse me for one moment. Bit croaky. Our riches are in God. Believe it or not, his riches are in us. We are his inheritance. It says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. You are part of the joy that he had in his mind set before him when he endured the cross. He has placed immense riches in us. We talk a lot about individual salvation and kind of over the Atlantic, they talk a lot about accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. That's a phrase I've never found in the Bible. Uh, And we often think about salvation as a very individual thing. And actually, the Bible talks a lot about the corporiety, the community of God's people. And God's God's plan is always to have a people for himself that he can live with. When you think about it, God made everything. He created the sun, moon, stars, and the earth, and he created it out of nothing by a word. We don't hear much about the creation of angels. They're created beings, probably by a word as well. We don't know. It doesn't say. The first man, the man of the earth, molded out of the dust of the earth, and God breathed into him the breath of life. We're a slightly different kettle of fish. Because actually, we are bought, we are purchased at a great price. Because, and I'm going to tell you just a little bit of a story uh, about a man, we'll call him Mark. Actually, his name is Mark, but I'm not going to tell you his surname in case you meet him, because you might not want to shake his hand. Um, He was going to a meeting and um, thought he'd quickly go to the loo, number one, Um, before the meeting and this is important because he'd done the necessary was about to flush and his earbud fell into the toilet bowl he's got a choice I mean come on you've got a choice haven't you you've got an earbud it's like do I kiss it goodbye or am I going to have to reach in and fish it out and because you know if you flush you know there's a chance The earbud goes, and it was an Apple earbud, so, you know, they're expensive. I've got earbuds, but they're not Apple ones. He decided he would fish it out. This is why I said, I'm not going to tell you his surname in case he comes up to you and says, hello, (laughs) because you might think, like, no. You might think, why are you telling us that? It could be. I mean, trust me, that could have been far worse. We were in a far worse place than that, and God did not just... He didn't say, look, Johnny D, you're in a bit of... Look, self-improvement, read that, help yourself, 
you know, good luck to you, mate. He didn't do that. He didn't just give us a book and say, go on, help yourself. He didn't just reach down into the toilet bowl of our existence and the cesspit of our society and say, come on then. He actually came and took flesh and he lived amongst the mess that we lived in and inhabited us. And then he burst out of that, taking all of that rubbish upon himself and he's now raised to life forever. And he says, one day you'll be with me too. That's pretty darn good. That's a heck of a price. And then finally, there's his incomparably great power for us who believe. And when you think about it, the Bible is talking here about a dead body being raised not just to life again, but elevated to the heavenlies. And that's the power that's at work in us. It's an interesting word that it's used because the Greek, the English doesn't do it justice. It talks about a degree which exceeds extraordinarily a point on an implied or overt scale of extent. Huge! It's the same word that's used to talk about the mercy of God a few verses later on. Off the scale, off the chart power. And yet we're very, very conscious sometimes of kind of praying that we want something, kind of we want God to show you power. And, so, and often we don't look back and think the power that was poured out on the day of Pentecost, which is available for us. God, would you please open the eyes of our heart that we can see the power that you have provided to us. And sometimes it's not about what you feel. There have been times when I felt immense power praying for people. There was once, prayed for somebody, terminal cancer, didn't feel a thing. Be honest, didn't have a lot of faith. Prayed for the guy. He went to see a specialist the following week. They gave him a scan. And they said, we can't find a trace of cancer in your body. All down to the power of God, not what I feel. So, we're going to watch a video for four minutes, and then I'm going to give you a little invitation. So, um, by the way, this is a political video, but it's not making a political point. So, um, I think you'll like it. Okay. It's very good. Very good. Very good. I always get a bit of a bit nervous with the technology. If necessary, we can turn on the subtitles. It does lose something. Ready to go. Oh, there we go. Fighter. Ready to go. Fighter. Ready to go. Fighter. Ready to go. I'm Edith S. Childs from Greenwood, South Carolina, and I'm the one that got Barack Obama fired up. And so I just want to close with a story that some of you know because it shows you the importance 
of one voice. And it's a story about my first trip to Greenwood. When I heard that he was coming to Greenwood, I thought, okay, I'm just going to go and welcome him to Greenwood. Turns out that Greenwood is about an hour and a half from everywhere else. Well, Greenwood is a little bit out of the way. So we drive, we drive and we drive. Finally, we get to Greenwood. We pull up to a small building. Right here in this building, the Civic Center. It's pouring down rain, and my umbrella blows open, and I get soaked. I'm mad, I'm wet. We go inside, and lo and behold, after an hour and a half drive, turns out there are 20 people there. When he first came in the room, he had this grin on his face, like, maybe I'm in the wrong place. You know, it was a small group of people. 20 people, and they all look kind of damp and, and kind of sleepy, like maybe they aren't really excited to be there either. And looking around at everyone in the room, I knew we had to do something. Suddenly, I hear this voice cry out behind me, fire it up, and I'm, I'm shocked. I know that the senator wasn't sure what was going on because he had that look on his face. So I look behind me and there's this small woman. Looks like she just came from church. She got a big church hat. And she, she's standing there and she looks at me and she's smiling. And she says, Fired up, ready to go. I knew we needed to keep singing. Fired up, ready to go. And so for the next five minutes, she proceeds to do this. Fired up. And it says, fired up and ready to go. And everybody says, ready to go. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking, she's stealing my thunder. <laughs> I look at my staff. They shrug their shoulders. They don't know how long this is going to go. But here, here's the thing, Virginia. After a minute or so, I'm feeling kind of fired up. I'm feeling like I'm ready to go. So I joined in the chant, and it feels good. And for the rest of the day, even after we left Greenwood, I'd see my staff, I'd say, are you fired up? I'd say, we're fired up, boss, are you ready to go? I'd say, I'm ready to go. Once you hear it, you will never forget it. So some, some people start putting fired up, ready to go on their shirts. Some people start putting fired up, ready to go on signs. Everybody's saying fired up and ready to go. It shows you what one voice can do. One voice can change a room. And if a voice can change a room, it can change a city. And if it can change a city, it can change a state. And if it can change a state, it can change a nation. And if it can change a nation, it can change the world. Your voice can change the world. So I just got one question for you. Are you fired up? Are you ready to go? Fired up! Ready to go! 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 Fired up! Let's go change the world. Would you stand, please, if you're able? 
One voice changes the room. Isaac uh, did a thing a little while ago on influence, talked about being either a thermometer or a thermostat, where a thermometer measures the temperature, a thermostat regulates the temperature. And you are where you are because God has placed you where you are. I'm not talking about just a chant and getting with a chant and psyching ourselves up. It's seeing that the eyes of our heart have been enlightened to know God better, to deepen our relationship with him, to know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believed or who believe. Four things God wants us to know so that we're fired up and ready to go. Nice little rhyme there. But I just want you to, your voice, where you are. And Hillary was sharing with us about how people say, you're very welcoming. And that's the atmosphere that's created because of the kindness of Jesus in Hillary's life doing what she does. And you see, too often we get stuck in this sacred, secular divide and we think that the important thing is kind of ministry in terms of people standing out the front or being paid by church. You're all in full-time ministry. You know, if you're looking after the kids at home, you're in full-time ministry. If you go to school, you're in full-time ministry. If, you, if you're retired, you're in full-time ministry. Whatever it is you're doing, you're in full-time ministry. Are you fired up? Are you ready to go? Because the Spirit of God is upon us. And we need to get hold of what God has put in our hearts. The eyes of our heart are enlightened that we can go out and we can change the world. There's a little bit more than 20 of us here today. But if you look around, you'd really think, are we really sufficient for the call that God's put upon us? I tell you, we're fired up. We're ready to go. Are you fired up? Are you ready to go? Because it's not in the quality of my preaching. It's not in the quality of our own gifting. It's in the power of God that's within us. The life of God that's within us. And the calling that is placed upon our lives. I'd like to just invite you. I'm not going to call you forward. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, now's your time just to say, well, okay, do you know what? I want to be in on this. I want to be fired up. I want to be ready to go. I want to be prepared for all that life throws at me. And I want to walk with you, Jesus. And at whatever point you feel that today is connected with you, whether it's going deeper with Jesus, whether it's knowing the hope that he's called you to, whether it's the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints or it's his incomparably great power for us who believe i'd like us just to take a moment just to ask god for a sense of recommissioning and a sense of being open to do the stuff with him in everyday life because we can change the world are you fired up Are you ready to go?
ठीक है